You know I'm gonna get you, yeah. Whatever it takes to get there. No, I won't drive. What's going on, everyone? And welcome back to the Basement Talk podcast. Ed Birdsall, no Jake Simone. Jake is currently kicking it on a beach in Aruba. Lucky him. I really wish I was him. So instead of Jake, we have Mr. Cooperstown back on the program. Adam. Hi, Adam. Hi, Bird. I, w- I also came from vacation. I was in Cooperstown. We went to the we went to Mount Washington. I was on vacation with my dad. So we went to Cooperstown. We went to Mount Washington. And uh, then we went to visit my aunt and uncle in Boston. And we saw a game in Fenway at Fenway. Mm. Yep. That's a good trip. You know what I, you know what I did this, this past week? What? Not do anything for the Basement Talk podcast. I can tell you that. This is my, yeah, <laughs> this was my vacation, vacation, air quotes. Well, you know, everybody goes on vacation in the middle of August. Yeah. Recharge, recharge the batteries before we, uh, before we really send it into fantasy and football and, and, and all of that. Um, while we're on the subject, August 24th, eight o'clock, we will be streaming live on the good old YouTube. It'll be Adam and I for the basement talk podcast fantasy show. We will be debuting our co-own series of, of sorts where Adam and I will be sharing the GM duties of a fantasy team. And we'll be doing that series basically on its own on the basement talk podcast fantasy show. So if you're interested in that, definitely go uh, check it out and make sure you subscribe to the basement talk podcast. Leave a five-star review. Tell us how much you love the program. So, Today, we're going to be talking about the Premier League. We're going to be breaking yeah, down the football. Premier League and giving a preview of sorts for the upcoming Premier League season. We are recording this on Saturday at around 1045. So the 10 o'clock matches have gone into halftime. Um, the only result that is confirmed already is that Arsenal will two Arsenal lost 2-0 to newly promoted Brentford and then Manchester United defeating Leeds by a scoreline of 5-1. Um, so before we get into, we're going to do a team-by-team breakdown and we're going to give a once-to-watch player. We're going to discuss what summer business they've done, maybe what they need to do to continue to improve with around 16 days or so, 17 days or so until deadline day. Um, but before we do that, I think it's better now to give our top four and our bottom three predictions before we go in. Because if we just kind of say what they're going to be when we're breaking them down, it kind of spoils it a little bit. So, Adam, would you like to give your top four, four, sir? Yes. Well, I think that, not not biased, but I think that Man City is going to win the league again. Because it seems to be one of the one of the things that we're good at is uh, winning the league and spending but, loads of money when you don't have to. Yes, that's it. Well, yeah, you know, and knee jerk decisions, winning the league and knee jerk decisions—that's what Man City is good at. And butching a lineup in a final, yeah, that too. Um. Anyway, so yeah, I think uh, we're gonna win the league, Man City. Um. And you know. Every every supporter is going to say that their team is going to win the league in just not me, not me. I can tell you that right now. Well, I think that that Man City has a pretty good shot 
at repeating as uh, champions this year. And honestly, I think that Chelsea is going to finish second. It's going to be a tight as fuck race. Let me tell you, because, um, you know, Chelsea gave Man City a good, good fight in the, in the champions league final and with, which they won. Yes. Which they won rather not talk about it, but um, let me tell you, you know, these games that Man City has against Chelsea, you know, September 25th and uh, January 15th are going to be must-watch TV. Definitely must-watch TV. For some. For some. But, uh, yeah, so I think it's Man City, Chelsea, and I think Liverpool is going to finish third because they're getting Virgil van Dijk back. The Uh, van Dijk effect. Yeah, the Van Dyke effect. It, it's definitely, it is something, you know, it's definitely a factor to why they just had a really bad season last year. And um, yeah, so the team is still there. The team's still good. Jurgen Klopp is still there. The system still works. And Van Dyke is going to be a huge presence for them. And then fourth, honestly, it seems like every single year, Man United just fall, just falls backwards into a Champions League spot. So I think it's going to be Man United, just for, for sheer fact of dumb luck. Yeah, my top four is the exact same team, just in a different order. It's Man City 1, Man United 2, Chelsea 3, Liverpool 4. Because I think really? I think out of all the clubs that are in the top four, I think United have improved the most. I think we'll talk about it when we get to talking about Manchester United. But I think that's the club that, that has improved the most out of the top four. Now, obviously, if, if one domino does fall for Man City, and that is, of course, the Harry Kane domino, then, yeah, then there's a different story maybe to say maybe City have just continued to do what City do and United maybe haven't spent enough. And we'll talk about we'll talk about both of them when we get there because they're back-to-back, thank goodness, so we'll be able to really compare and, and contrast them. But... Perhaps the more interesting one is the bottom three. Adam. Yes. Who is getting relegated? Oh, man. Honestly, I think this is, I like this team as like a, you know, as an outsider, but I think that Crystal Palace is probably going to get relegated this year. Wow. Wow. Now, it's really unfortunate for Patrick Vieira. but I just don't think that they're that it's an aging squad. And they let a lot of players go over the summer um, because all of their contracts seemingly were set to expire at the same time. And um, yeah, I think that Crystal Palace is probably going to be one of the, one of the teams that's relegated. Another one is Norwich or Norwich, just because it seems like every single, they're the typical yo-yo club. Um, You know, they were up here last year or two years ago. Um, off a really good season in the championship, just like they were, la- just like they had last year, and they got the floor mopped with them before and after the shutdown. And I just don't think that Daniel Farka is a great Premier League manager, or even like a good Premier League manager. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it's a fair assessment. And then my final team, I think it's, I'm going to say Aston Villa. 
What? I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. Come on. I was going to say. No. Aston Villa? Come on. I was going to say. I almost had they you. lose Jack Grealish, they're going to get relegated? Yeah. No. Um. I think that I'm going to say Brighton, even though I like Brighton too. You know, they're a nice hipster, hipsterish team, but I think that, um, you know, they're solid, but they, they're just all right as far as uh, teams go. And Graham Potter, I don't know if he has what it takes to get a good finish out of Brighton Hove Albion. And I think he was frankly lucky that the teams that got relegated last last year were so horrendous that um, Brighton were kept uh, kept above the drop just by sheer will of not being as bad as Sheffield United and Fulham. That's a fair point. So for my three, and I'm so lucky because right now I just got to look at some of the score lines. Um, two of my bottom three are currently winning. So there's that. Uh, my first one is Norwich City. I think they are going to uh, go back down again. I think they're just a classic one and done uh, sort of club, even though I am rooting for them because they just signed Josh Sargent, American striker from Werder Bremen. So hopefully they could stay up so Josh Sargent can play some meaningful Premier League minutes because, of course, USA always. Um, America. America. 10th ranked team. Top 10 in the world. America. Top 10 in the world. Uh, my second club that they are going down, I'm going with Watford. I'm going with Watford. I think they're going to be another one and done. And they are currently beating Aston Villa 2-0. So, mm. yeah. Uh, I don't know. But match day one, you know, they could slide backwards quick, as we all know. And then my third, and this is this might be a surprising one because there's always one team that I think is kind of a surprise to, to go down. I thought about Brighton. I thought about Burnley as well. I think Southampton. I think Southampton are going to go Ooh, down. That's interesting. That's an interesting pick. You just don't have any faith in Ralph Hasenhutl. No. No, and I don't have faith in the way that they finished the season last year. I don't have any way any faith in the summer business that they've done as well. But we will obviously get into it. And then at the end, once we finish our team breakdowns, we will go into Superlotus because we love Superlotus here. So we're just going to go right in on the Superlotus. But let's start with the team breakdowns. And let's start off with Arsenal, the North London Giants. And we'll be going alphabetically. So if you want to follow along, you can definitely go ahead and do that. Um, three notable signings for the Gunners. Nuno Tavares from Benfica. Albert Sambi Lokonga, the former captain of Belgian side Anderlecht. And then, of course, Ben White, the fourth most expensive transfer in Arsenal's history. Of course, they've already lost 2-0 to, to, excuse me, to Brentford. And, you know, there's just something about what Arsenal have done as an Arsenal fan, I will say. I'm just so underwhelmed by everything that they do and just gets to a point where I'm just like, I'm numb to it. I, I don't, I'm not sympathetic for them at all. I think they kind of dug it for themselves. I think the football is boring. I think Arteta is an awful manager. I don't think he has any clue what he's doing. Quite frankly, I think he tries to be pep, but he's nowhere near. And I think it's well, going to take the players to be pep. 
Yeah, but there's only so much of that you can really say. I mean, it's not about the players. It's the players have to be given instructions and tactics about what to do. It's the same boring stuff over and over and over again. It's the the route one for that match against Brentford was play a ball wide left to Kieran Tierney, have him play a cross in and hope someone gets ahead on it. That was the game plan. There was nothing. Well, that sounds like the in- Sam Allardyce school of offense. There was nothing inspiring. There was nothing innovative. It was just same old, same old. And the defending was shocking again, as usual. It's status quo, quite frankly. And quite honestly, I don't know if they, it doesn't really matter who else they they bring in because they need, they need so much. They need a center midfielder. They need, an attacking midfielder, creative midfielder, which maybe it's Martin Odegaard. I, I don't know, but I don't know if Martin Odegaard takes Arsenal to the next level. And I'm going to be a conspiracist here. If Pierre Mekabamiang and Alexander Lacazette have already been ruled out for Chelsea with an illness and it's not COVID, then there's something wrong there. There's something wrong there. I'm sorry. So if they, they need to go out then and they need to go buy a striker. And what striker is there is going to be there? I mean, they were linked to Latara Martinez in the window. They've been linked to Tammy Abraham, but no thank you. No thank you. None of that crap. Go away. I mean, this is just no more than a mid-table side. That's really what Arsenal are. They're, they are a mid-table side. And it wouldn't shock me if before Christmas we're talking about another manager having to come in and potentially save the season because it's it's been a disaster. And there's only so many opportunities that Mikel Arteta can get to get this right because the club is going backwards. It's And the gap between Arsenal and even the other five of the top six air quotes is getting tremendously bigger and I think we know when we talk about Spurs they lose Harry Kane I think they're kind of in the same boat as Arsenal are but in terms of Arsenal's gap to Liverpool to Chelsea to United to City it's it's getting tremendously bigger and you know for a club with as rich of history as Arsenal have you know that's that is definitely a um, a problem so I really see them as a mid-table club uh Adam, before I ask you who's the one player you want to what you're keeping an eye on for Arsenal, um, was there anything that I said that, that you disagree with? Not really, no. Um, I mean, at this point with Mecca Arteta, you know, Una Emery was only at the club for like what a season and a half, a season and a half, yeah. essentially. Mm-hmm. About and, 18 months, give or take. And Mikel Arteta has been at Arsenal for about a season and a half. You know, he took over for Emery and he had a full season um, being the manager of Arsenal. So I think that if by the halfway point they're in like 10th or 11th or 12th, then I would consider making a change at manager just because it would seem like it's just not working out. And the player, like it's not working out for not only the players, but also for Mikel Arteta. And I'm sure Mikel Arteta just is like, you know, he, he, he kind of left his comfort zone where with Pep under Pep Guardiola's wing. And he's like, well, you know, maybe I'm not 
ready to to be a manager yet. Maybe I need to, I, I don't know, frankly. Maybe I need to study more and kind of refine my craft and learn from this experience and take it to another job. Because it just seems like he, like getting into a job this big for a first year manager or first time manager is probably not the way to go. I think he should have started at a, at a lower club, maybe even in the championship to kind of get his feet wet with management. It's a huge club with lofty expectations. If you want to believe in everything that, that the Cronkies are spitting out. And I, I agree. You have someone up top with Edu who, yeah, he, he ran things for Brazil, but he's never done it at the club level. You have Arteta, who's a first time manager and they risk right now losing the public opinion. If they haven't lost it already. So, you know, what happens if, say they lose the next two matches, say they, they don't take any points off of Chelsea, which I expect, and they don't take any points off of City, what I expect. And through the first three matches, they they have zero points. What is that going to do? And then the, the, their marquee signing that they want to unveil to sort of calm everybody is Martin Odegaard. And Martin Odegaard is a fantastic player. I'm not saying that and he's alone. Not. Also, if it's a loan, right. If it's a loan yeah. with an obligation, yeah. that's one thing. But if he's only on a loan, it's just kind of like, what's going on? What's going on? And they need a backup goalkeeper as well. I forgot to mention that. They need a backup goalkeeper because if we lose Burn Leno, oh my God, we're, we're, we're relegation. We're a relegation team. So yeah, th- this is a mid-table team. This is a mid-table team. Um, Adam, do you have a player to watch for uh, for Arsenal? Well, isn't it obvious who the player to watch is for Arsenal? I don't think it's obvious. For me, it is. I mean, it, it's number 14. It's got to be. He, if, he score, if he scores the way that he scored a couple of years ago, and not like he scored last year, which was not exactly ideal, 10 goals, 3 assists, but uh, if he scored like he did last year or two years ago, excuse me, where he had 22 goals and three assists, then I think that Arsenal are going to be in a good spot. But, uh, and I think that that's kind of, I mean, listen, I think um, Mikel Arteta is kind of relying on Pierre-Anne a bit too much, which is probably why Arsenal was so poor last year, just because, uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang just didn't have the season that people expected him to have. And, uh, yeah, he's got to be the guy you got to watch for a bounce back heading into 21-22. Well, with Alba, you know, he contracted the malaria last year. COVID obviously was an issue for everybody. And then he had a a family illness, which really derailed his season, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, obviously you would you would expect some sort of bounce back, but you also have to look at it and say he's on the wrong side of thirty. He's on a hefty hefty contract. Is it a blip or is it start of decline? That's the question that I think everyone is going to be asking. Uh, for me, the ones to the one to watch is not Alba. Uh, I considered Bukayo Saka. I considered Nicola Pepe, but I'm going for Arsenal's number ten. I'm going for ML Smith Rowe. I think he's 
he has all the makings of a superstar, superstar player. And I think if there's any two players for Arsenal that could hold their heads up after the loss to Brentford, it is Kieran Tierney and Emma Smith-Rowe, our two best players on the pitch by a million miles. I think he is all the makings of being a truly a star player for not only for club, but for country as well. And we need to look at the midfield options that England have with Declan Rice, with James Madison, with Jordan Henderson, with Phil Foden, with Mason Mount. I think ML Smith Rowe with Jack Grealish. And I think ML Smith Rowe is, he could firmly put himself into that conversation of contending for an England place. So yeah, I'm going with Emil Smith-Rowe as my one to watch for uh, for the Gunners. Um, all right, so let's move on from Arsenal. I'm done talking about them. I pledge not to talk about them for the rest of the episode. Fantastic. All right, let's move on to Aston Villa. A club in transition, I this think, is be a the, very interesting team. Yeah, I think a club in transition is the way to put it. Uh, losing Jack Grealish for... 100 million is it could be derailing but at the same time I, I like the business that they've done emmy buendia coming in from norwich for 35 million ashley young going back to villa on a free leon bailey from Bayer leverkusen the jamaican international for 35 million danny ings from southampton for 35 million to form an unbelievable striking partnership between him and ollie watkins oh my god you know i like the business that villa have done I think Dean Smith is a very good manager and I don't really see how they will be in contention for a relegation place. I think actually they are, they're a more well-rounded team than they were. I think the one signing for me, and I, I guess this comes as my player to watch, so to speak is Axel Tunzebi from Manchester United. Who's there on loan, very highly rated at Manchester United going to Aston Villa expected to play significant minutes for Villa in the Premier League campaign. I think this is, again, this is a mid table team. I think when you're comparing Arsenal and Villa, if Villa can sit firmly mid table, I think they'll take that. I think they'll absolutely, absolutely take that. So I think they are firmly mid table. I don't expect them to be anywhere near hawking about a, a relegation place, so to speak. But I think the signings of Buendia and Bailey are excellent, excellent signings. And then Danny Ings, the transfer that literally came out of thin air. It wasn't even talked about, wasn't even reported, nothing. The first time I heard about even interest of Villa for Danny Ings was when they just announced it, that we signed Danny Ings. Like, oh, okay. Sure, why not? Yeah, exactly. And you pair, you pair Danny Ings with Ollie Watkins. That's a fantastic strike duo. That's absolutely fantastic. So uh, Villa, for me, they are a mid-table club. Axel Twinzebe is my player to watch for, for Villa. Um, my player to watch is Danny Ings. Fair the, shot. Uh, yeah. You know, I could have picked Leon Bailey also just because Leon Bailey is kind of one of those guys where I – thought he would have gotten a bigger transfer, like a transfer to another team a couple of years ago when he was uh, starring for Bayer Leverkusen. But, um, you know, Danny Ings, a guy who had a really, really good season 
last year, a great season last year. And this is going, all eyes are going to be on Danny Ainge to see if he can, if he can build on it. And if he's not just like a one season wonder with uh, South, with Southampton last year, and if he can really uh, pop the goals for Aston Villa. So he, he's my guy to watch because I want to see if he, if he's for real at 29 years old, if he's for real. Yeah. I think it's a very fair argument to make. And he's, he's CONCACAF Jamaica. So he yep. listen. He he has real star qualities about him. It's just about putting it together. And I think in a, in a Villa team where there is a lot of supporting players there, I think in their midfield with John McGinn, who is one of my favorite players to watch. I absolutely love John McGinn personally. But you look at what they've done again. Ollie Watkins up front, who really is a gold machine for them. Danny Ings, who had a great year last year with Southampton. Emmy Blanche was two years ago. I was a mistake. It was two years ago. Two years ago? Okay. 22 goals. He scored 12 goals last year. But still, I mean, that's solid. Yeah. No, absolutely. And then Emmy Buendia, who was the player of the year in the championship last year, some would say Ivan Tony was that, who we'll get to in just a minute. But, uh, yeah, I think Villa, they are a mid-table team. With Can can they challenge to be higher than mid-table? Yeah. Yeah, I think they can. I think they can. Because I think they're a club that's ran the right way. I think, in my opinion. Yeah, well, hopefully they uh, they do something because, I mean, they're, they're losing to Wofford at the moment, so. Right, right. Anyway. So, anywho, all right, let's go to Brentford. Uh, sitting top of the league? Well, not anymore. No, actually, many, they're second. Many United are, but they were top of the league for one night and one night only. May never be able to say that again if you are a Brentford supporter. But hey, hey they, had, they hadn't made the Premier League since like what the 40s? Yeah, 74 years. 74 yeah. years they, they've been out of the top flight and they are back. Uh, you know, for, for me, Brentford, they're an interesting story because they could go in one of two directions they could be fighting relegation or they could be the Sheffield United of two years ago. I was going to say they could either be Sheffield United of two years ago or they could be Sheffield United last year. I don't think they'll be Sheffield United bad because Sheffield United last year, they didn't have that one player that they could just fall back on. Whereas two years ago, Sheffield United had Dean Henderson, who stood on his head for them. The the player to watch for Brentford is Ivan Toney. I mean, I don't know if Adam has anybody different, but Ivan Toney is, is the guy. 31 goals last year in the championship, including one in the playoff final, which is the most lucrative match in English football. Uh, 31 goals for him was the record-breaking tally for most goals ever scored in a championship season. Uh, I believe that record was held by Glenn Murray when he did it in 2012 for Crystal Palace when they were in the championship. So Ivan Tony has got to be the star man, and he showed up against Arsenal and was winning aerial duels left, right, and center. Then again, it is against the most fragile of back lines that perhaps I've ever seen in my life. But that's besides the point. I'm just bitter. Don't hold it against me. But yeah, I, I, me personally, I don't know if I see Brentford being a mid-table club, but I don't think that they are fighting relegation. I think that they are... I think they they probably settle in like the 14th to 11th range. And I think they do enough where they comfortably get those 40 points, the 40 magic number points 
to stay up personally. I agree. You know, I didn't predict them to be relegated. I mean, Ivan Tony or Ivan Tony is a really good shout for, for Brentford here. And yeah, I mean, the manager, um, their manager has really had some pretty high praise. He's gotten some really high praise. Thomas Franks. He's, he's, he's a very good manager. And he might be one of the next ones, like one of the next uh, big guy, big managers coming out of nowhere, it seems like. Well, people were saying uh, that about Chris Wilder and look where he ended up. People yes. said that people said that also about, uh, about Eddie Howe. Eddie Howe is sort of in the same boat as well. Why am I kind of reminded of like Bournemouth when they got promoted or this team, this Brentford team kind of reminds me of Bournemouth a little bit. Like in fifteen, sixteen, no, they they have the same vibes. Just because they're like, you know, hipsterish team has in Bournemouth's case, they've never been in the they had never been in the Premier League. Brentford has also never been in the Premier League, but they haven't even been they hadn't been in the top flight in seventy five years or whatever you said seventy four and yeah seventy four. And this is a team that has some really good players that was great that were great in the championship and it will be interesting to see how that translates to the Premier League they have a young manager who didn't have a who didn't have a lot of of a playing career but a lot of people see him as kind of like a visionary with Thomas Frank so i mean listen they i don't think they're going to get relegated i think that this team has a solid foundation that they that they won't get relegated yeah, then I think what's interesting about them is uh, Thomas Franks basically has come out and, and has said that they want to be a possession team. They want to have the ball, which is interesting to me because they're not – I don't think in bigger games they're going to be able to be on the ball. And granted, you know, Arsenal still had 64 65% of the possession, but it seemed like way more than that for Brentford that – 35% of the possession. I thought they could have had at least 40 or 45. But if they want to be on the ball, I think against the the clubs that are kind of in their range, like the, the Newcastles, the Southamptons, the Leeds, yeah, they, they, they could have good spells. But they look like a really innovative, good I guess fearless is the word I'm looking for. They they weren't afraid to go out there, make chances, make those big time runs, and really, if they were gonna if they were gonna fall, they were gonna fall gracefully. And well, they, they were gonna go down swinging. I guess is yeah. the team that you're looking for. Yeah, they were the they were the only they were the only team that showed up on Friday night. Quite frankly, they were the only team that showed up. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I think uh, Brentford they'll stay up comfortably for me for me i think they are uh they're definitely staying up all right so let's go to brighton not oh, brighton yeah not a lot has been done by brighton in this in this window um obviously losing ben white is something that you know comes with the territory of being a minnow club i guess but hey they have 50 million and there are a lot of people who are questioning whether or not Ben White was worth 50 million, myself being one of them. But nonetheless, uh, they'll be fighting relegation. They'll be fighting relegation, but Graham Potter is the king of coming up with 
big time results. And it wouldn't surprise me if they finished 15th or 16th in the, in the premier league. Um, in terms of my player to watch for them, um, I'm going with Lewis Dunk, their captain, someone that has been basically so steady and so consistent for Brighton for many, many years. And if they do get relegated, Lewis Dunk is one of those guys that I think could really stand out in a mid-level club side. I think I look at maybe a club like Everton would do really, really well with someone like Lewis Dunk if he has a great season, Brighton get relegated. And I think he's a, he's a Premier League caliber player. I think so. I agree with you. I mean, Lewis Dunk is definitely, I mean, he's the, the with all the change with Brighton, he's like one of the only guys that I even know who play for Brighton at this point. I mean, of course you have players like Adam Lallana, Neil Mape, Fuck you know, him. made his presence known. At the end of the 19-1920 season, uh, Danny Welbeck, who somehow is still in the Premier League. That guy, Welbs. Um, But I think that uh, this is another team that's kind of like in transition because they lost their longtime uh, goalkeeper, I mean, in January, on loan to Arsenal, Matty Ryan. And then they lost him again to uh, Real Sociedad over the summer. Um, they also lost Alariza Yahambash to Feyenoord in July, and they lost Ben White, who was the big defender for them. So I, I don't know. I don't see too many good things coming from Brighton and Hove Albion heading into this season. Well, speaking of not too many good things coming for them, let's just go even darker, shall we? Burnley. Again, I, listen, I like Burnley at this oh, point. Oh, I can't I think Burnley... stand them. Not for me. Not for me. Granted, granted, if we took six points off of Burnley, we would have been in the Champions League, but that's besides the point. Um, I, I give full credit to Sean Deitch for the job that he's done with literally no financial backing whatsoever. But at the same time, it's just a matter of how how can you sustain that level and continue to get results and continue to stay up and continue to fight off relegation if you're Burnley? And for me, the one player that I'm looking at as my one player to watch is Nick Pope. Uh, Just take every reason that I said for Lewis Dunk and apply it to Nick Pope has been so steady in goal for Burnley. And I think if they, if they do get relegated, Nick Pope is a player that I think can be called upon by a Premier League club to come in and become a starting goalie. I, I look at Arsenal, quite frankly, and I say Arsenal with Nick Pope, that just is a match made in heaven. You get rid of Burn Leno, Nick Pope comes in if Burnley go down, and Arsenal have themselves a proper goalkeeper. But Nick Pope, for me, is, is the one that I'm looking at for, for Burnley. Uh, one player that I think that I would watch for Burnley is a guy that was – I'm surprised that he's still at Burnley because even going back two years ago, he was really heavily rumored to lead for a move away in the summer of 2020. And I'm sure in, even in the summer of 2021, it's James Tarkovsky. 
yeah. who is in the same boat as Nick Pope, where if Burnley get relegated, he's going to be going for, for a fee, let me tell you. A pretty sizable one. Um, because this is a guy that's probably not going to want to play in the championship. Ain't full but English he, international as well. Yeah. So it's going to be even more of a fee. You know, English that tax, English baby. tax. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking stupid English tax. hundred <laughs> percent or hundred million dollars for Jack Grealish. Ridiculous. Anyway. What do you expect? <sighs> anyway. Uh, yeah. James Tarkovsky. He's a, he's Burnley's best defender. Definitely. Maybe next to Ben me, but Probably, probably better. I think he's better than Ben Me. Uh, James Tarkovsky. Yeah, I think he's he he's Burnley's best defender, and he's going to be the guy to watch because that's that's what Burnley does. Um, they're going to defend you to death. They they you know if you win by one goal, it counts the same as winning by three goals. So Burnley is going to want to win by one. Yep, they are they are tough. There is a lot of motor, and all those players they go out there and they literally are running for 90, 90 minutes. And they keep their shape yeah. very defensively sound. And it, it's exactly it, Adam. They win one nil, great. They win three nil, excellent. You know, it, it's it's one of those with, with Burnley. And I think I don't think they get relegated personally. I think they're kind of in the same boat as Brighton, where they're coming in 15th, 16th, and they are just kind of holding on, so to speak. I think Burnley is one of those teams where if Sean Dyche wasn't the manager, they would be awful. They would be 100%. like rivaling Derby County, hundred worst Premier League team of all time. Uh, Sheffield United might have something to say about that, but yes, yes, I, 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 I get the point. Yes, yes. No, well, Derby is the worst Premier League team of all time, statistically. Yes, but Sheffield United, oof, God, from last season, oof, lordy. All right, so let's talk about someone with a bit more promise, shall we? Uh, yeah, let's go, let's go talk about uh, Chelsea. Is Matt uh, currently winning currently winning three 0 I mean, they really haven't had to do much as champions of Europe. They really just kind of stayed put and then went out and they signed Romelu Lukaku for a club record fee. Yeah, it's, it's just kind as of for huge. Yeah, it's it's business as usual for for the Blues. They're a top four side player that I'm going to watch for them. I'm going to say Timo Werner. I, th- I think it's a big season for Timo Werner because if he if he continues to struggle in front of goal, and this is when there weren't fans in the ground. If he struggles to put goals in the back of the net, regardless of whether he's on the, on the left or he's playing through the middle, probably won't see much time through the middle because of Lukaku, but if he's struggling to score goals, then Chelsea have a mighty problem on their hands in terms of what do they do with Timo Werner? Can they continue to play him if he's not firing on all cylinders? And granted, he gets the first year, unless you play for Arsenal, then you don't get any time at all. But he got the first year to adjust. Now it's time for Timo Werner to really hit the ground running. And if he doesn't do that, then I could really see Chelsea trying to get out of that and move on and find somebody else. Given, look, they signed Timo Werner, I guess with the eye of playing him down the middle. It didn't work that way. Moved him out wide to see if they can get something out of him. And 
now they went out and they just spent 135 million pounds on Roman Lukaku. So on a proven Premier League striker in, in Romelu Lukaku. I mean, you can't ignore the goal record that Romelu Lukaku has against the big six. That's that's the problem. Is that historically Lukaku has struggled in big games against the big six. That's the only thing. But obviously going to Italy was terrific for his career. Won the won Serie A with Inter Milan last season. Comes back to Chelsea, completely different striker, obviously. So maybe this time around it's different. But well, it's been like what five years or something like that since uh, Romelu Lukaku was last playing for Chelsea. It's five years, but then he went. You know, he did what he did at Everton, then went to Man United, and that's when even at Everton, Everton it really wasn't publicized much because you know you're playing for Everton, whatever. But at United. United is where he struggled to score goals. He struggled to score goals, yeah. was struggling for confidence, was struggling against the big six, notably, which is where everyone just pointed towards, went to Italy, scored goals for fun, and now back in the big time, back in the Premier League, he won't be able to hide if he's struggling to score goals again against the big six. And this is a club with aspirations of winning the league, aspirations of winning in Europe again. If he can't do the business, then there's obviously going to be questions about Romelu Lukaku, given we've seen this before. So why would Chelsea go and spend that kind of money on Lukaku when we've seen him in England, we've seen him struggle against the big six before, and it's one thing to score goals against uh, against Burnley and Newcastle, whatever, but it's another thing to score big goals against United, against Chelsea, against Chelsea, against City, against Liverpool, which Lukaku has struggled to do in the past. Yeah, I think that really this was, if anything, this is a wake-up call to Timo Werner. Even if, I don't know if he needed one, but this is this is what this is. Because it's saying, listen, we spent a fuck ton of money on you, but that doesn't matter. We're Chelsea. We can just buy another guy. You know, you're we're not tied to you. Uh, you know, we don't trust you as far as we can throw you. But I, we don't trust you as far as we can throw you, and that's because you just didn't score goals for us last year. And we brought in somebody that can score in the Premier League. And um, I think that this will be kind of like a kick in the kick in the pants for Timo Werner to try and uh, score in the, in the Premier League. But I just don't know at this point. I, that's the one thing about Chelsea that I think that that's why they struggled so much against Frank Lampard. Cause Thomas Tuchel is like the best manager for them because his system is like he's playing Sean Dyche's system, but with better, but with world class, world class players. He's playing the let's win one nil, and who cares what else happens? But he's playing it with world class defenders and midfielders, and he's and that system is able to hide the fact that they don't have a solid enough striker, but. Um, I think that's why Chelsea, even though Chelsea's strike, striking forward situation isn't great, they can still be a solid team and they can still challenge for the league title and they can still challenge to uh, repeat as Champions League winners just because they have such a great midfield with Hakim Ziyech, Kai Havertz, and N'Golo Kante and Jorginho. And they also have a really, 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 really solid back line with Thiago Silva, uh, Kurt Zuma, Ben Chilwell, Reese James. 
and Marcus Alonso and Antonio Rudiger. Although fuck Antonio Rudiger, but that's besides I think the point. I think you left you left out the best player out of all of them. That's Mason Mount. Yeah, he's the best player out of all of them, quite frankly. And he was he was one of the guys that I was gonna I was gonna say for this was Mason Mount. But yeah, Timo Timo's the one because, like you said, Adam, it's it's next guy up mentality. It's if you don't perform, we're gonna sell you, and we're then we're gonna go spend another hundred million. On someone else that can come in and do the job. Do you think Roman Brown is like? Do you think we're afraid of losing money? Do you think no? Because they make, that money, they make that money back. That's what they make that money back. We'll just win a trophy and make that money back in prize money. Like we don't give a fuck about you. Exactly. Qualify, qualify for the Champions League. Maybe you win, you win a trophy somewhere in there, and you make that money back tenfold. Done done and that's all that's all Abramovich wants to do he wants to win and he's going to do whatever he needs to do to do it all right so Uh, Chelsea Chelsea's done let's go to Palace with uh, Patrick Vieira Vieira whoa Vieira whoa he comes from Senegal he plays for Arsenal manages Crystal Palace Vieira whoa that's a new one that that new verse I like that we, 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 we transitioned a little bit but Crystal Palace, new manager, Patrick Vieira. An interesting side, I think. Because this is, they're going to go one of two ways. They're going to be safely in, or they're going to be fighting relegation. I think they're going to be fighting relegation. I think Vieira is probably going to be out of a job come January and February, personally. Unfortunately. Yeah, it's just kind of the way that I see it with, with Palace, but I think they find a way to stay up. I just think they have just way too much talent on that team, respectively. Uh, for me, the, the guy that I'm watching is Wilfred Zaha. And this was a player that went for big money to Manchester United, flopped at United, went back to Palace, and has been kind of hot and cold at Palace. So if he's going to put himself back on the radar for a big money move, it was highly publicized that uh, Wilfred Zaha wanted to leave Crystal Palace to come to Arsenal the summer that Arsenal spent a, at the time, club record fee to bring in Nicola Pepe. So if Zaha wants to get that big money move, he's going to have to show it. Now, obviously, Palace, they are a team that is lacking in several departments. But I think I think Palace, at the end of the day, they're going to be a club that, yeah, they'll be in and around the relegation places but they're not going to be bad enough to get relegated, at least my opinion. The interesting thing about uh, Zaha is that he scored the most goals in the Premier, in his Premier League career last year with yep. 11. Mm-hmm. But he's not, he's not like a, he's a winger. He's not a striker necessarily. No, but you're right. Um, I think that, yeah, Wilfred Zaha is the guy for me too, because Guy's not getting any younger. He's 28 years old. He The time that he can get a big money move to a big team is dwindling. And he needs to he needs to show that he can be consistently uh, relied upon to, you know, either score goals or uh, provide goals to his teammates. And uh, I, I just don't know. It seems like... I, I feel bad for Wilfred Zaha, frankly. 
um, just because he's been stuck at this team for so long. Yeah. And it's just like he's in a rut at this point. Yeah. And I think what also really hurts them too is the fact that Ebby Easy is going to be out until probably Christmas with that Achilles injury. And he, when he showed up onto the scene last season when uh, Crystal Palace bought him from Queens Park Rangers, uh, he looked fantastic. He, he looked like a true, true talent. And the Achilles injury happened. And, you know, you have to worry about, you know, whether or not Easy's going to come back and be that same caliber of player. But yeah, obviously, you know, it's it, it's tough for, for Palace. I mean, they've made some some good additions. I think the addition of Con- of Connor Halliher from uh, Chelsea on loan. I think that there was a good signing. I think Yoki Manderson from Lyon, I think, is a very under-the-radar signing. Yoki Manderson has been here before, was on loan with Fulham, so knows the league, the ins and outs of it, so to speak. But, yeah, I think it's going to be it's going to be tough sledding for Palace, I think they're going to learn very quickly that life without Roy Hodgson is uh, definitely a, a difficult one because Roy Hodgson was able to get them by with relative ease at points. You know, my thing about Crystal Palace, it's fun. It's interesting that you mentioned Roy Hodgson again, because I was thinking about that. I think that Patrick Vieira is just not even going to get any runway because Crystal Palace hired Frank DeBoer a couple of years back and they went the first couple of games without even scoring, and he was fired for, and uh, Roy Hodgson was brought in. Yep. And then the rest is history. So I wouldn't be shocked if Patrick Vieira gets sacked in like October. At the it wouldn't point. be a surprise. I wouldn't be shocked at all. Yeah, it wouldn't um, be a surprise. One interesting piece of business somebody that I, I believe he was in the squad for Euro 2016. Probably he was like the fourth goalie or whatever, but Jack Butland trying to get his career back on track. Yeah. That could be some guy, somebody that uh, would be interesting to watch just because he's only, he's still only 28 or he's still 28. Um, still kind of in his prime, so to speak, goalkeepers, their prime is extended just because of the position that they play. But uh, somebody that's trying to get back into the English, the England squad, which is suddenly like has tons of goalkeepers that are vying for that uh, number one shirt. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I don't think a number one shirt is very locked in with Jordan Pickford. He had a great Euro. I don't think anyone is going to deny that. But I think there, there are a lot of names that you could definitely go and throw inside hat. You have Dean Henderson. You have Aaron Ramsdale, who both of them were in the squad for for the Euros, you have Nick Pope, you have uh, Jack Butland who might want to get himself back into that picture as well. So you, you, there are a ton of goalkeepers that can really make a serious push to be that number one for for England, no doubt about it. All right, so let's go to a yeah, let's go to a, a club that really just finds a way to get themselves into hot water, and they this is no different this summer with Everton, of course, the controversial hire of ex-Liverpool manager Rafa Benitez has split Evertonians down the middle. I don't know where Jamie Carragher sides in this one. Maybe we'll have to ask him sometime. But uh, I think first first of all, before we talk about Everton as a whole, Adam, the uh, the hire of Rafa Benitez, yay or nay? On paper, in a vacuum, 
if you didn't tell me that Rafa Benitez was the manager for Liverpool for all those years, won a Champions League with them, and then was also the manager of Chelsea for about five minutes, I would say, you know, that's a pretty solid savvy hire because Rafa Benitez worked wonders with a Newcastle side that we saw last year is actually pretty shit. So, I mean, I like the hire, but just for the, the optics of it is, are not great just because Rafa Benitez, he spent so much time managing Liverpool and he won a Champions League with, with Liverpool and now he's managing Everton. So, <laughs> I don't know. I think it's kind of just like taking the best guy available. Uh, I don't really know um, Rafa Benitez's record when he was managing in the Chinese Super League, but... Um, just going by what he did with Newcastle when he took took over at the end of the 2015-16 season, went through the entire championship season in 2016-17, and then a couple of years after after Newcastle got promoted once again. Um, I think that this, this could be a solid, solid uh, hire because I think we can both agree that this Everton team, this Everton team is way better than any of the Newcastle teams that uh, Rafa Benitez had at his disposal when he was there. And he has a lot of uh, players to work with, a lot of talented players to work with that he can get the most out of. And I think this is one of those jobs where you can really see if Everton is just a toxic wasteland of players, or if it was just the fact that uh, the, the board there at, Ever- at Goodison Park were just hiring the wrong people. Well, Everton are winning 2-1 right now to Southampton. I believe Decore just scored a screamer, apparently. Um, here's what I think. Yeah, obviously, it, it, it's kind of like if Mauricio Pochettino was hired to manage Arsenal. There would be a section of Arsenal fans that would say, hell no, that's an ex-Spurs manager. And there's another section that I would be in, which is Mauricio Pochettino is a fantastic manager. I think that's kind of the same situation here where me personally, you look at Rafa Benitez, he's won everything. He has won absolutely everything that there is to win. He is a fantastic manager. There is no doubt about it. The problem is, is that it's just the Merseyside divide between Liverpool and Everton. If Everton come out of the gate and let's just say Everton win 10 on the trot, let, let's just say. You think any Evertonians are going to give a shit that Rafa Benitez managed Liverpool? No, no, not really. Absolutely not. Not a chance. It comes down to results. And if Everton are pushing for places in Europe, then, yeah, I would say that's that's a success. But the problem always has been getting the personalities of Everton and the issues that they have systemically, can they be put aside? And can results be achieved? If they can, then Rafa is going to be a huge success on the blue side of Merseyside. If not, and problems just continue to develop, then it could be a very quick stay for Rafa on the blue side of Merseyside. I think he's going to be a huge success personally. I, I really do. 
And I think Everton are top half of the table side. I agree with you. I, I really do. Like I said before, I do like this appointment of uh, Rafa Benitez just because he is probably the one of the most experienced managers on the open market whose name wasn't Massimiliano Allegri. True. Yeah, and very true. He's, he's managed across the globe, coming back to Everton, managed in the Premier League before, had success in the Premier League before with Liverpool. Um, I Yeah, I think that this is a really, really, really solid pickup uh, for Everton. Very quickly, before we move on to Leeds, who's a player to watch for Everton? Um, I think it's going to be, I'm going to pick Michael Keane. The uh, center back. Okay. Because this is a guy that um, he performed really well last year on a pretty underwhelming Everton team. And I think this is a, a player that if Everton underwhelms again, he can, he can angle for a move somewhere else to a bigger club. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I'm going to go for Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I think he had a great, he had a great year last year with Everton was in the squad for Euro 2020. And I think he can continue to build on that. I think, you know, same thing with Michael Keane, that if Dominic Calvert-Lewin has another great season with Everton, you know, you could start seeing the bigger fish start to circle in terms of trying to get Dominic Calvert-Lewin uh, to leave Everton. All right. So Leeds United, uh, Marcelo Bielsa, of course, signing his annual one-year extension on the eve before the start of the new season. Leeds are just fun. They're like very a, fun. Like a crazy fucking guy. He's he, crazy. He's a crazy guy. He's a crazy guy. But you but, love to see it. But I, I, I do love me some Marcelo Bielsa, and he's he's fantastic. He's gotten Leeds into a position where they could be a steady Premier League club. I believe. I do not think that they are on the verge of any sort of relegation battle at all. Uh, the one player that I'm looking out for. I mean, there are a couple, honestly, that I that I am particularly keen on uh, Rodrigo, who they signed last season from Valencia, star striker, did not really adjust in year one, has to be able to figure it out sooner rather than later for Leeds. Jack Harrison is another player, former Man City prospect, hey. who, who really I think he's, he's, he's a fantastic, fantastic player. But the guy for me is Junior Firpo. Uh, they just bought him from Barcelona, was widely considered to be one of the best young players in Barca's academy at one point, and now is playing his trade in the Premier League for Leeds United. So they have a left back now that can go in, who can eat some steady minutes, can be very, very productive, offers a lot going forward. Still has some work to do, I think, in the defensive areas. But look, what leads, what member of the Leeds back line doesn't have things to work on in the defensive areas? I mean, let's be quite real. They just conceded five to Manchester United. So yeah. at, the end of, at the end of the day, Leeds, the formula there is if you're going to score five, you better not concede six. I it, It's very smash and grab. I love it. And they're... They're an entertaining watch. They, they really are. I think they are. I don't know if they're mid-table, but I think that they're they're comfortably safe from relegation. I think they'll get there. They'll get their big scoreline wins at certain stages, 
and then they'll be decimated in others. Is it too bold of me to say that they could potentially be challenging for Europe? That's bald. <laughs> I That's mean, bald. This is a team that I'll just say this: the two, the two guys. Uh, can I interrupt for one second? Yes. Uh, remember, I talked about Dominic Calvert Lewin as my play, my player to watch. Yeah, he just scored, didn't he? He just scored for Everton, three-one. Go ahead, I'm apologize. Um, the players that I'm watching for Leeds United are the two England kids, um, Calvin Phillips and Patrick Benford. Building on their fur on their big seasons in the Premier League last year, uh, Calvin Phillips kind of worked his way into the England squad as a result of that. Patrick Banford, I think he was in the uh, in the England squad for Euro twenty twenty. Was he, he not? Was, he was in contention. He was in contention. I mean, he never, he never so made it. Fucking, so many fucking forwards. Yeah, so a lot. I understand why Banford didn't make the uh, England squad in that in that respect, but. I think that those two guys are going to be two players that Marcelo Bielsa is going to not only build around uh, from a personnel perspective, but also build around from a game planning perspective because they're great at driving play and scoring goals. And uh, I think, you know, Leeds United finished in the top half last year. And I wouldn't be shocked if they, listen, am I going to say that they're going to make the Europa League or the Europa Conference League? Mm. Maybe, maybe not, but I still think they're going to be in contention for that. Maybe up into like March or April, they're going to be in contention for a European place. That's bold. That is bold with the defensive issues that they have. Very bold, but I like it. I like it. I, I'll root for them. Sure. Everybody's second team, Leeds United. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, so we move on. We we have some heavy hitters coming up. We have some heavy, heavy hitters. Let's start with the first one, Leicester. I mean, Brennan Rogers, the job that he's done at Leicester, my lord. I mean, he it's about time. I think when he won when he won the FA Cup and then winning the community shield. Sorry, Adam. Yeah, stupid penalties. Anyway. It goes to show you that Brennan Rogers is a very, very good manager. He's a very good manager. And he knows what he's doing. He's getting the most out of his players at Leicester. And they're consistently, if you want to say, you know, if you need to talk about top six, it's hard to say that Leicester are not in there because they've been so, so consistent in terms of challenging for European places, getting a Europe place this season as well. Some would even say should be in the Champions League. I'm playing in the Europa League last year as well. Yeah. I would be one of them that's saying that they should be in the Champions League, but that's that just comes down to performances more than anything else. But the business that they've done, I think that they've made three very shrewd, very good signings. Ryan Bertrand on a free from Southampton solves their left back issue, no problem there. Very solid, very steady, very consistent. Uh, Bubakar Samare from Lille, of course, the French champions from last year, a very, very good defensive midfielder who can come in and really act as a sweeper there. And Pat Sindaka for me is another player from RB Salzburg who was a fantastic pacey striker, uh, very comfortable to finish from all angles and is someone that is someone that I would really be paying very close attention to for me. Uh, but the player to watch, I could very easily be cheesy and I could just say, Oh yeah, it's Jamie Vardy. No, hey, the ageless wonder. I'm not that was gonna, mine. The 
I'm not going to I'm not going to say Jimmy Vardy. I'm going to say James Madison and player that I am praying Arsenal can go out and sign, but does not look like it's going to happen. I, I, I he's he's another one. You put him in that contention for an England midfield place. He's just unbelievable as a number 10. I think he's one of those players that if you were to put him in a Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City, Man United side, he wouldn't he wouldn't miss a beat, quite frankly. And he's someone that I think makes this Leicester team sort of tick. And I think he's very key to what Brendan Rodgers wants to do with Leicester. And me personally, I think James Madison is going to be very, very good come this, this season for Leicester. And I think he is my player to watch. Yes, as we speak, Leicester is, barring some crazy shit, they are on the verge of beating Wolves 1-0. So there you go. Jamie Vardy scored the goal. The ageless wonder. Yes. Well, the, the funny thing about James Madison is that I felt, I felt like nobody was talking about how good James Madison was last year. Or people just weren't talking about James Madison, period. I thought, like, was he like, do people not like him anymore? Was he just not in the squad? But, you know, he started in 24 games last year. Um, and he scored eight goals, uh, five assists. Um, I think that, yeah, James Madison is definitely the X factor for uh, Leicester. And I think that, you know, if they had hockey assists in soccer, I think James Madison would have a lot more assists. I'll tell you that because he is such a great, uh, he drives play to use another hockey uh, idiom. He drives play really well. He does. Oh, he absolutely does. Leicester, they'll be challenging for the European places. No doubt. Yeah, hopefully they they get it done this time because they've been very close to being in the Champions League and they've just kind of faltered at the end of the at season's end. But I, I really do have some hopes for uh, Leicester City. Okay, next up is Liverpool. Liverpool, the red side of Merseyside. Um, a bit of quiet window for Liverpool, the only notable addition that they've made was Ibrahima Kanate, the center back from RB Leipzig, who I think is going to be a very nice partner for Virgil van Dijk, who may be the biggest addition that Liverpool are going to make in this window is getting back Virgil van Dijk. And obviously the subtractions that they've had to make, none bigger than losing Jorginho van Aldem on a free to PSG. But I think, you know, with Jurgen Klopp, with getting Virgil van Dijk back, you still have Allison, you still have Trent, you still have Andy Robertson, who's going to miss the first couple matches due to an ankle ligament problem. And then, of course, you have the front three. Salah, Firmino, Mane. They're going to be a consistent top four team for most of the season. I don't see them finishing outside the uh, Champions League places. They'll, They'll comfortably be in those 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 Europe places. For me, the one to watch is Trent Alexander-Arnold. And for him, it has to be him consistently being in the England squad because the fact that there was even a doubt about Trent Alexander-Arnold not going to the Euro is a bit curious to me. Because me personally, yeah. I think I think that he is England's best right back. I do. Because I think you could play Kyle Walker 
at center back if need be. Whereas Which with Trent, do. you yes, you and then you could put Trent as your right back. Done. I don't really know why that there was any any sort of doubt as to whether or not Trent was going to be at the Euro or not. That's part of the problem that I have. But his club form is terrific, and he's going to continue to be very, very, very good for Liverpool. He's the player that I'm watching for them. I mean, it's weird just because Gareth Southgate, like he plays with either five at the back or three at the back. So I think that uh, sometimes there just isn't like a spot for Trent Alexander-Arnold, which I don't agree with. Cause I think that, yeah, the way that he delivers long passes is absolutely incredible. And um, he deserves to be in England squad just for that alone. But um, yeah, he, re- he does deserve a spot a consistent spot in the England squad just on sheer merit alone. But uh, I think that really th- I can't even try and like rationalize why uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold would be left out of the England squad. Uh, but one player that I, that is to watch for Liverpool, I can go with the obvious Virgil van Dijk because yeah. coming back from an ACL injury, but I'm going to say, their new signing last year that struggled, Tiago Alcantara. Can he mm. play in the Premier League? He only scored one measly goal last year. One. Yep. No assists. Just the one goal on 22 shots. He's got to be better. And with the midfield that Liverpool has, Honestly, midfield is kind of like the weakest part of this team. So it should be easier for Tiago to uh, to get in there and drive play, like I said before about James Madison, because he definitely has that kind of potential to, to drive play. And, yeah, I mean, you know that Fabinho is going to be in there. You know that Jordan Henderson is going to be in there. But that third midfield spot, he is right for the taking for Tiago Alcantara. It most certainly is. And they, they have they have the void. They brought him in to potentially be that midfield pin and just has not worked out thus far. But in a Jurgen Klopp team, I would expect that Tiago takes a big step forward in year two for sure. All right, Adam. Yay. Fucking love this team. Let's go, let's go to Manchester City. Um Obviously, the big addition that they've made, only one really, was Jack Grealish for around £100 million, $139 million. I disagree. Scott Carson on a free transfer is the biggest addition that we've made. Huge addition. Huge addition. And then, of course, the links that Man City continue to have to Tottenham striker Harry Kane. Um. Obviously, we both have them winning the league, so no need to really point out where they're going to finish, but let's just say that Daniel Levy, chairman of Tottenham, decides not to sell Harry Kane. Are you still going to pick Adam City to win the league? Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yes. Okay. Just because, because Sergio Aguero was hurt 
like almost all of last year. Mm-hmm. So we know that Pep knows how to structure this team without a striker. And honestly, Phil Foden looked like a natural forward all, for most of last year yeah. and at the Euros, which is crazy. So, I mean, you can move Phil Foden up to up to striker, up to one of the wing spots, have either Mares or uh, Gabriel Jesus be your striker or false nine, depending on who it is. Um, and then you can go from there. One interesting thing about this team is Bernardo. I mean, I just don't. Bernardo has been so good for us these past couple of years. And I really don't want to see him go. But if he wants to leave, then he wants to leave. There's just so many options for this team that it's crazy. I mean, you could literally make two teams out of the out of the depth that we have, and they could both probably challenge for Europe. It's actually nuts. I mean, from what I understand is that Bernardo Silva really has two options. It's Arsenal and Tottenham, and he doesn't want to go to you either. So it does kind of look like Bernardo is going to stay at Manchester City. Uh, For me, the player to watch, and, and I'll answer the question about Harry Kane. Yes, I still would have City winning the league, even if they don't sign Harry Kane. For me, the player that I'm watching is Phil Foden. I think this is the best young midfielder in the world. I think within two, three years, he's going to be the best midfielder in the world. He'll be at that level of Kevin De Bruyne, and they are going to have an embarrassment of riches. Like they don't already. Literally and figuratively. Yeah. I mean. Or like we don't already. I mean, it's such a good team. the The only thing for them is they have to win in Europe. And. That's going to be the real question is whether or not Man City can get the job done in Europe with obviously the rise of the giant that is PSG. And we'll we'll touch on Messi to PSG at the end and get some uh, some some thoughts about that. But all that uh, money yeah. just to lose in the second just to lose in the semifinal. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. All right. From, from the blue side of Manchester to the red side of Manchester, Manchester United. For me, this is the biggest winner in the transfer window by a lot. Jade Sancho, Rafael Varane. Like I said at the top, that this is the team that I think got substantially better than everybody else. Yeah, I mean, only go to Solskjaer has no excuse now. Yeah, he I mean, has if- no excuse. If they had a half competent manager, they would probably be winning the league. Yeah. Yeah. I could probably win the league with this team. Well, maybe not, but if they, if they had, if Graham Potter could win the league with this team, I'll tell you that. Yeah, that's true. But uh, don't make me say nice things about them. I'll do it. I'll do it for you. How about that? Um, I look at the talent that they just have top to bottom. Edison Cavani back for another season. Marcus Rashford, uh, Mason Greenwood, who is my player to watch for them. I think that I am expecting a big step for Mason Greenwood this season. Already scored in the 5-1 win versus Leeds. Jaden Sancho, of course, the signing from Borussia Dortmund. Rafael Varane, the signing from Real Madrid. Sancho going to be a threat coming in. Off of the wings, Rafael Varane will be the perfect defensive partner, I believe, for Harry Maguire. 
And then you look at what they just continue to do in midfield, which is really the key to how Man United tick with Bruno Fernandes, Bruno Fernandes, and Paul Pogba. And they have a big decision to make on Pogba, whether or not he's going to stay or whether he's going to go. I think it's too late in the window to expect a sale of Paul Pogba, but we will most certainly see. But that would be so ridiculous if they let him walk on a free again. Agreed. I completely agree. That's the decision that needs to be made. Because, I mean, if they don't sell him here in this window, then they got to sell him in, in January. And that's or, it. or they have to commit a fuck ton to sign him to an extension. I don't think they want him. I don't frankly. think they do either. So it just makes no sense why you haven't gone to sell him and bring in someone like, let's say it's Edward Camavinga from Ren. Maybe that's the guy. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, at this point, I think it's to uh, combine, you know, this is a crossover episode. We're combining sports. This is like the Jack Eichel thing. I think Man United are asking for too much money for Paul Pogba. Yeah, potentially. I mean, it's not the same in the sense that, you know, Paul Pogba doesn't have a career-threatening injury, but it's the same in that the the people in charge of making these sorts of decisions are being either indecisive, stubborn, or both. And they need to either shit or get off the pot, as the saying goes. Yep. No, it's true. It's 100% true. Uh, but United, they'll be top four. And they'll be, I, in my opinion, I expect them to challenge. I expect them to challenge for the title. Oh, great. Looking forward to that. <laughs> All right. So let's go to Newcastle. Actually, before yeah, we do ahead. that, yeah. speaking of Man United, I saw a guy when I was at Fenway Park. I saw a guy that almost looked like a dead ringer for Sir Alex Ferguson. But he was wearing a Liverpool hat. Which is oh, yikes. Fun. Which is even more fun. Was his name John Henry? No. It was it was so weird. I'm like that guy looks just like Alex Ferguson, but he's wearing a Liverpool hat. So why would he be doing that? It's so weird. Strange type. So weird. I didn't even know what is he doing in Boston. (laughs) Should be hanging out with his family. I I think he was. I think he was. Maybe he has uh, relative stateside. I guess so. I don't know. All Um, right, let's go to Newcastle United. Um, Potential just drops off like a like a rock. Off a it cliff does. into it does the water there. below. Yeah, it does. Uh, Newcastle, we'll touch on these quick because we want to get to the Superlas and we are definitely running for time. Uh, Newcastle, they'll be challenging for relegation. I think they'll be in that it's sort a weird of way place. of putting it. They're going to yeah. challenge for rele- They're relegation. Challenge for relegation. They want to be there. Oh, That's, okay. that, that, gets the, that gets the most out of the Toon Army. What, whatever gets, I think, whatever the Toon, the Toon Army is like, whatever gets Steve Roos sacked. Exactly. We want that. Bingo. Whatever gets him sacked. Um, but fair play to Newcastle because the, have you the tried one throwing thing a cabbage. Can... Have you tried throwing a cabbage at him? That <laughs> might get him sacked. <laughs> the one thing that Newcastle and their supporters wanted was they wanted Newcastle to go spend the money, and they absolutely did going out and signing Joe Willick from Arsenal, who had an unbelievable loan spell with them, scoring on seven games on the trot, I believe, uh, to end the season last year. Some would say that he kept them up. Last year, I, I would be one of them. I would be one of them that would say that that Joe Willick was one of the big reasons why Newcastle ended up 
staying in the big time. Uh, they'll be challenging for relegation, contending for relegation, but I think some way, somehow, maybe fighting they, relegation would probably they, be one of the one of the things that you fighting would... relegation. Yeah, and I think they stay up. I think they stay up. I mean, the player to watch is Joe Willock to see if he could do it again. Hmm. Honestly, I don't know. This this is an interesting one. This is a team that um, I'm watching. Whoever st- whoever starts in goal for this team is my guy to watch. Might be Dubrovka. It probably will be Martin Dubrovka. Um, because that goal that goalkeeper situation, I don't know what happened, but uh, it's. It, like most of the year, it seemed like we had Carl Darlow starting games for for Newcastle, and it seemed like uh, Steve Bruce didn't trust uh, Dubrovka when Dubrovka has been really good for Newcastle since they were most recently promoted to the Premier League. Um, whoever it is, I think that the odd man out, whoever the backup is in this situation, is probably going to be angling for a move in January. I'm gonna, I'll say that right now. Mm. That's a statement, but it could definitely happen. Especially if it's Dubrovka, because I feel like he feels alienated at this point that he's not starting. He didn't start as many games as he did uh, a few years back. Yeah. Yeah, he I would agree. 13 games. I mean, seriously. Yeah, no, I, w- I, I would most certainly agree. Granted, he was he was out injured. He was out injured for for a good spell, but. Yeah, I think there's definitely a goalkeeping competition that's on at, at uh, St. James's Park, I would say. Yeah, and I mean, hopefully, whatever's going on with the uh, the ownership situation is resolved because, Jesus Christ, I can, I'd like to not hear about that. I would love every to not single ever day hear about Mike Ashley life. ever again. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I agree. All right, so let's move on to Norwich, uh, a club that are going to be definitely vying for relegation. Um, but as as for their transfer window, I don't really mind it. They're signing the two main goal scorers for Werder Bremen, Milo Rashica and Josh Sargent, who we talked about before, and my player to watch for Norwich for the season, Billy Gilmore from Chelsea, who is there on loan, going to get valuable, valuable minutes playing in the Premier League for a side that, quite frankly, are going to be are gonna they're gonna rely on him. Uh, another, I think they've also what they've done in bringing in Pierre Lemelou from Nice. They're gonna have a midfield partner for him if they want to rely on him to get consistent minutes, which I would assume is part of the plan. I mean, I don't know why Chelsea would loan Billy Gilmore to Norwich if he's just not going to play. So I would assume that Billy Gilmore is going to get some significant Premier League minutes. But with Lemelou, he's going to provide a midfield partner for Billy Gilmore that has an experienced head. And that's going to be very, very good for Billy Gilmore. Very, very good for Chelsea because Chelsea obviously have big time hopes for Billy Gilmore because he is a very, very talented young player. Yeah. I mean, Ben Gibson's also a pretty solid transfer for them getting some veteran presence Yep, for Norwich, but my guy to watch is Todd Cantwell. Yeah. Long haired blonde midfielder who who did really well in the championship scoring six goals and getting six assists. He's I'm pretty shocked along with almost everybody in the football journalism world or in the football world that he did not get a transfer after 
uh, Norwich was relegated at the end of the 1920 season. Myself included. So I think this is another chance for him to put himself in the shop window and perform. So he's my guy to watch. So let's go on to Southampton. Again, don't really know what's going on at St. Mary's. Um, as per usual. As per usual, uh, <laughs> Ralph Halsenhuttle is under the caution a little bit. They ended the season very poorly. Their marquee signing has been Adam Armstrong from Blackburn, who netted some a pretty decent goal tally, somewhere in the uh, 15 goal range for Actually, Bird, Blackburn. it was Blackpool, not Blackburn. No, it was Blackburn, Blackburn Rovers. Are you sure? Positive. Okay. 100% positive. 100 million percent positive. I know that. I know that because on the good old thief, I have an Adam Armstrong special card from Blackburn. Okay. Oh, yeah. No, it is Blackburn. I don't know why. It must be an ESPN thing. They had it wrong. They don't care about soccer. No, they don't. They do not care at all. But really, it's going to come down to Adam Armstrong and Che Adams, who are going to be the two responsible for scoring the goals for Southampton to potentially keep them up. Uh, The player that I'm watching is Adam Armstrong. I think he needs to have a significant, significant impact right away for Southampton if they are going to stay up. And it's going to be it's going to be a test. It's definitely going to be a test. I think Southampton need to do more in the window. And, you know, we're going to see if that's going to happen. But for me, they are one of my three that are going down. So I think that says a lot about how I feel about Southampton. Uh, Adam. Go ahead. Oh man, I don't even know. For the, this team, is very hard for to find a player to watch. Um, I'd say somebody like um, I'm going to say Che Adams for Southampton, a forward. Somebody's got to f- fill in for um, for Danny for Danny Ings after his transfer. That void is there. Those goal those goals need to be scored, and I don't think it's going to be. 34-year-old Shane Long who couldn't score on a prostitute and <laughs> God and thir- and or 32-year-old Theo Walcott. Oh, Theo, 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 Theo. think it's going to be either of them. Michael Obafemi could be in contention. Um, I think Armando Bro- Broja is still a bit too young. Um, it could be Adam Armstrong. Who they brought in as a forward as well. But I think um, Che Adams, given the number 10 shirt, he, he's probably going to be in contention for that top forward job in Southampton. And they're going to need or at him. Southampton. They're going to need him. They're going to need him to score the goals for sure. All right. So let's go to the white side of North London with Tottenham. So you don't even have to say nice things about Tottenham. They're, they fucking suck. Uh, it, it's kind of strange though, because I like what they've done. I like what they've done in the window. Uh, Pierre Luigi Gallini from Atalanta on a loan with an obligation to buy, presumably, is coming in as the heir apparent to Hugo Lloris. Uh, Brian Hill from Sevilla as part of the swap deal, which saw Eric Lamella go the other way to Seville. And then 
Christian Romero from Atalanta, the Argentinian center back who is going to come in right away and basically be the linchpin, the their own Virgil van Dyke to the Tottenham back line. For me, it really comes down to what happens with Harry Kane. If Harry Kane stays and Harry Kane plays, then Tottenham are going to contend for a European place. If he doesn't and And he's off to Man City, then Tottenham might be a middle-of-the-table club. But there's talent there. There is Son, who is fantastic. So he might be able to do the business, but it's going to be difficult. It's going to be very, very difficult for them to, to do it. So for me, I see Tottenham. I, I think they're better than Arsenal, personally. Uh, I know it's uh, that's, a, that's a hard pill for me to swallow, definitely. But I think they're, they'll challenge for the European places. They'll challenge for the European places. Maybe the Conference League. Maybe they get in uh, to the Europa League again. But... Yeah, I think uh, new manager uh, Nuno Espirito Santo has a he's got a job in his hands. He definitely has a job in his hands, especially if Harry Kane leaves. And even even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't leave, there's still going to be the questions about Harry Kane this, Harry Kane that, that he's going to have to answer for the entire year. And that's the problem is that everywhere they go, it's going to be the Harry Kane circus, so to speak. I think the thing for Nuno is he has to deal with not only this playing squad that just seems so not even like they just seem like a broken team, like emotionally, you know, they, they basically turned on Pochettino, Jose Mourinho uh, that just did not work at all. And um, it seemed like Nuno Espirito Santo was like a silver medal for Tottenham because I think they wanted to bring back Pochettino. And Pochettino wanted to come back and they just couldn't get, get things to work out. Um, but as far as players are concerned, I think that if Harry Kane leaves, um, the players that I'm looking at are Deli Ali and Sony Hong Min filling in the role for Harry Kane. So uh, Song Hong Min has really, you know, when Harry Kane has been injured the past couple of years, he has filled in admirably. Yeah, at the striker at the striker position, but I think that Deli Ali is the guy that they really he really needs to bounce back. To yeah, get his but I th- back I, on track. I think Deli Ali though is definitely going to benefit from not being with Mourinho. Oh yeah, I think Mourinho definitely gave him an unfair sort of shout, so to speak, and there's always one with Jose Mourinho always there's always that one player that Jose Mourinho likes to just keep on the outside. And that unfortunately was Deli Alley. And I think he's a, he's a, he's a very talented player. Uh, we saw what he did when he first went to Spurs lit the league up and has kind of, his career has kind of stalled a little bit. And I don't know if, if something that that can be rebuilt at Spurs, maybe he would benefit from a move away. But the question is, you know, if he does move, where would he go? Number one. And number two, I think Spurs definitely need him, especially if Harry Kane goes. So uh, the player to watch for me is Christian Romero. I said top, but Deli Alley is a, is a fantastic, fantastic shout. I would agree. All right. So we go from 
Tottenham. Let's go to Vicarage Road and Watford. Um, yeah, it's um, they're a team. They're a team. Yeah, there's not really much here for for Watford, so to speak. I mean, I have them in the bottom three. Um, for me, the player that I'm watching, there's there's two that I consider here: Josh King, formerly of Bournemouth and Everton, who it was a disaster move leaving Bournemouth to go to Everton now is, is at Watford trying to really regain his goal scoring reputation that he had at Bournemouth. And then Emmanuel Dennis, who was on loan at SC Colm last year uh, from club Bruges in Belgium, pacey striker and score goals, Nigerian international. That's the guy that I think is going to have to score a decent amount if Watford are going to stay up. And I believe Watford have beaten Aston Villa. So that is a big three points in the bag for Watford. Yes. Yeah, so I'll just read off the scores. Why not? We're here. Uh, of course, Man United won 5-1. Brighton defeated Burnley 2-1. Chelsea 3-0 of Crystal Palace. Everton 3-1 over Southampton. Leicester 1-0 over Wolves. And then Watford 3-2 winners against Aston Villa. So, yeah, I think Emmanuel Dennis has got to be the guy that is the talisman, so to speak, for Watford if they are going to stay up. Yeah, mine is Troyini, just because does he still have it at 33 years old? That that's who I'm looking at. That can he still can he still score goals in the Premier League? Can he keep Watford up? I think he might. Probably there's a an equal chance that he won't. So he should be interesting to watch. I'll tell you what, though, this next team that we're doing that we're going to be covering, our penultimate team, is going to be very fun. I love it. Yes. Even though you know David Moyes is a little, eh, but you know he managed Manchester United, but whatever. But yeah. West Ham, holy shit! Yeah, yeah, the the Hammers. I mean, fair play to David Moyes and the job that he did at West Ham, getting them back into the big time, back into Europe. They. I think that they are pretty much a mid-table side, honestly. I don't know if they still have – I don't know if they have the firepower to get back into into Europe. Obviously, Jesse Lingard and the impact that he had was immense. But, you know, now it's kind of like, you know, do they they have it still to get there? Uh, For me, the player to watch is Declan Rice because if he has a massive season – if he performs well and West Ham do not qualify for Europe, he's one of those that's getting a big money move come next summer. Yeah, my guy is, or I have two players. I Go have ahead. the two forwards, Jared Bowen and Saeed Benrama. Yeah, that's a good shout. I mean, these guys, all, same same deal as Declan Rice, really. Um, Jared Bowen and Saeed Benrama, two guys coming from the championship um, two years ago. Well, Jared Bowen last January, uh, Saeed Benrahma after Brentford failed in the pro- in the playoff final two years ago. Um, but these are two guys that if, we- if West Ham doesn't make it to the uh, Europa Conference League, then they're going to get big money moves to teams that did make the Europa Conference League. So they- those they're my guys, ones to watch certainly. All right, so the last one up before we get into superlatives and get on out of here, Wolves. Uh, mid-table side for me, player to watch, Raul Jimenez was someone that 
was scoring goals consistently for Wolves, then had the massive head injury, the fractured skull um, against Arsenal when he collided heads with David Luiz. It'll be interesting to see if he can regain the form that he had before that injury, obviously wishing him the best in that regard. And it's going to be very, very important that he does for Wolves' sake because they could be lesser than mid-table, personally. Yes, my player to watch is Ruben Neves, the defensive midfielder who can really put himself in the shop window and get a big transfer either in January or at the end of this coming season. He's been linked to Arsenal. He has been linked to Arsenal, so that is definitely a move that I could definitely uh, foresee. All right, so let's get into superlatives. Uh, Adam, the signing of the season is going to be blank. Ooh, that's a tough, tough one. You know, I hate to say this because I hate this team with, with a passion, but the signing of the season for me is going to be Rafael Varane mm. to Manchester okay. United. Okay. Because this is the kind of player who has champion championship experience, not the championship, but championship as in has won league titles and four straight champions leagues with Real Madrid to he's coming in to stabilize that back line, be a guiding hand for Harry Maguire and him going partnering up with uh, Harry Maguire and also Aaron Juan Basaka is going to make that, that back four pretty, pretty deadly. Uh, my signing, my signing of the season, I'm actually going to go for someone I don't know if I could say under the radar because of the amount of money that they just spent on him, but I'm going to go with Romelu Lukaku of Chelsea, and you'll see why in a second. Um, the flop of the season is going to be blank. I'll I'll go the, I'll go with this one first. I'm going to go with Jack Grealish at Man City. I think with the amount of money that they spent on him, I just think that he is. There's so much competition for places that I don't know if he's going to get the full run that maybe you would expect him to get. It's not that I think he's going to be terrible. I just think it's going to be, there's going to be so much competition there that I don't know if he's going to have a consistent place locked down. That's the problem. I think it's going to be Romelu Lukaku for Chelsea. Wow. Because of what you said before about the, his record against the big six. I think that he'll score a bunch of goals Maybe he'll be he'll be an empty calorie volume scorer, but I don't. It's just such a mess with that Chelsea front front four. Like they still might be challenging for the for the Premier League title, but I don't know how big of a contribution that Lukaku will have to that challenge. Young player of the season, Adam. I'm going to go for Bukayo Saka. I'm going to go with Phil Foden, obviously. Obviously enough, and. The golden boot winner. I'm going for Romelu Lukaku. I'm going to go with Harry Kane. That's a very fair shout. Is, is, he, is he at Man City? Yes, I hope so. If he's not at Man City, is he still winning the golden boot? Mm, probably. I mean, he's <laughs> just so good. Okay. Um, I have one for you. Go ahead. Which team is going to sack their manager first? That was going to be my next one. Okay. I'm going for Palace. Call it the Watford Award. 
I'm going with Palace. I think Vieira's first one sacked. I agree with you. I went Watford not too far behind. Let's go for, let's do one more here. Let's go biggest disappointment. Biggest disappointment. I'm going to go. It could be team or it could be player. I'm going to go with Everton. Okay. Just because I just don't, I think that that team is just like, I don't even know. There's something wrong with that team and I can't put my finger on it. They have so much talent, but they just cannot get it done. I mean, I know they just won today, but still, I just don't think that they have the players or the experience to get it done. They just spend all the money. They're like the karmic extreme, the extreme other end of Manchester City, where they spend all the money on the players, but then nothing fucking happens. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Um, I'm going for Arsenal. I'm going for Arsenal. Biggest disappointment, I think they finished outside the top half. Okay. Well, I think that would only be disappointing to Arsenal fans. Because I think a lot of people don't really have high hopes for Arsenal. True. Good point. Good point. I don't even think Arsenal fans have high, hope, high hopes for Arsenal, quite frankly. Uh, but that is going to be it for this edition of the Basement Talk podcast. Uh, thank you very much, Adam, for coming on and doing this with me. No problem. Always happy to. And make sure you check Adam and I. Check us out on the good old YouTube when we do the live co-owned series. That actually, the debut of that is going to be this week we are going to be just kind of starting that out giving the introduction to it all and maybe talking about players that we would like to target talking about draft strategy for that team that mini series is going to be the joy of my life i am very very much looking forward to it i agree i'm very excited just because i've never done something like this before yeah neither have i neither and- have i so it's, it's going to be a first for for everything and it'll be in podcast form correct so all of our struggles and all of what we do our thought processes will all be in on the public record absolutely and we will be debuting like i said that episode this week we will also be having we're doing a mock draft this week we will also be doing a mailbag this week on the basement talk podcast fantasy show so go check us go check us out over there that is it Facebook Talk Podcast you know where to find us subscribe wherever you get your podcast for Adam I am Bird everyone enjoy the rest of the weekend and we will catch you next time on the Facebook Talk Podcast bye bye